Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. John Coleman. Dio, what's popping? UCF College of Business is what's popping. Let's hear y'all in the crowd. Extra credit for my man in the black shirt. Dude, I am so stoked. So this is the second of two episodes where our friends Justin and Sarah and the rest of the crew over at UCF, University of Central Florida, go Knights. Psych. Oh, go Knights. Invited us to come on by. We're at the exchange and we are actually recording this episode in front of a live studio audience, although this will drop on Tuesday. It's a classroom. It's not a classroom. What is this room called? It's called The Exchange. It's a classroom, Dustin. Okay, hey, do y'all do classes in here? No. Okay, so is this a classroom? What do y'all call it? Exchange. Y'all are mind warped. You don't know. Okay. Sheep, yep. Sheeple. Yeah, so, so this is a meeting area right. for the students to collaborate and to network. Sure. Because at UCF, you know what they teach you, John? Nothing. No. You know what they teach you? Is that you're... You can't finish. You can finish because I have a degree. How long did it take you? Four years and three summer schools. So, but I did it all in four years. With so three summer schools. Yeah, that's that's the trick. We talked about that two episodes ago. I know. Clearly, your tuition money is going, you know, being used here. No, I'm pretty sure this is more of um, maybe some donations yeah. that we make to the university. One day is going to be called the Dustin Owen Field of Dreams for the football stadium. One could only hope. One day. One could only hope. No, they teach you things at UCF. Like, your net worth is the sum of your network. So the exchange is a place for these students to come and network. Oh, like exchange knowledge and shit. Yeah, exchange numbers. For real? Yes. Solid. So figure out who's throwing the best kegger. Is that? Y'all still What's party? happening on the mall? Do y'all still like party on campus? Is that a thing? Where at? Where do y'all go? Like, the Greek house? Oh, down there? On the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, you party at Greek Row. No, like, what's the most hopping bar right now at UCF? Bounce House. Really? I know the owner. That's so funny. Is it really Bounce House? Who's the owner? Uh, you don't know him. Shut up. All right, I so d- so here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. This episode, we have never done anything like this before, so it's really cool because we're like episode 325 or something like that, and this episode is going to be audience participation. So if it sucks terribly, blame Yourselves, the students. It's your fault. Blame the students at the University of Central Florida College of Business. If it's amazing, thank John Coleman. What? Yes. Thank you. You you got here early. You set all of this these, up for us. These students don't give a shit. They're just here for extra credit. And that is true. True story. I got so excited because y'all can't see this on camera, but there's like 50 of them here. I'm like, oh my God. Like I... I thought it'd be like it's five. the easiest way to get a credit without doing any work. Just fill out whatever bullshit they have on that paper, hand it in. I saw the kids stamp it. What a joke. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is art class? That's what it feels like. Well, anyhow, I was stoked because the bigger the audience, the, uh, the more fun I have in general. And I thought, coming in, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Five people may show up. Maybe it's 15. Nonetheless, we're going to have fun and we're going to give it our all. But when I saw 50, I was like, man, my heart was smiling. And then they're like, nah, we're kind of here because we get credit. I was like, oh, okay. So then maybe you should just say thank you to me. And I'll say you're welcome because I'm a reason why hopefully you won't be bored for the next hour and you'll get credit. So what we're going to do is it's going to be audience participation. I have told them before we turn the cameras on, 
ask anything. Like literally, you want to talk about UCF football, I'll do my best. You want to talk about career advice. You want to talk about being an entrepreneur, being a salesperson, being the mortgage industry, being the real estate industry, doing real estate investment, saving for retirement, raising money, like anything that's business related, career related, we want to talk about. All right, so a couple of housekeeping items and then uh, Reese is in the back. Shout out to Reese. He has a microphone. Uh, I guess y'all raise your hand. Please no one be shy. Uh, give us your best shot. We are going to tell you the world according to us based on our 20 plus years experience of being supposed adults, because that's a very loose term with John and I. Um, but the housekeeping items for our avid listeners, our fans, our tea loppers, as we like to call them, um, want to let you know there's still room available at the GrowthCon event. That's the event putting on, being put on by our friends Justin and Amir. You all saw Justin. He's the $100 million producer who I had on the show about a month or two ago. His coaching company is called Growth Only Coaching. Amir is his business partner in that. Amir is another $100 million plus uh, producer. But this event in Chicago is going to have some of the top names in real estate and mortgage. People like Barry Habib, people like Ryan Serhart. Did I say that right? I always butcher that dude's last name. I don't know. He's like the good-looking, popular Realtor guy who's all over TV, million-dollar listing. Anyhow, he's going to be there. Barry Habib, Renee Rodriguez, going to be a kick-ass event. Unfortunately, you and I won't be there, but but you know who will be there? Mark. Mark Holmes. So our T-loppers, I have a challenge for you. And by the way, homeboy's like 6'6", so it's not going to be hard. 6'6", and good-looking. Won't be hard. Mark Holmes is our newly hired vice president of operations for T-lop Entertainment. Mark is going to be at that event. If you go up and you say hi to Mark and you find a way to give Mark your contact information or your business card, we will make sure that we send you some TLOP swag. That's what? all you have to do. Look for Mark. He'll be at the event. Unfortunately, JC and I won't be there, but you can find out all the information uh, about the event on our website, TLOPonline.com, or if that's too difficult for you to figure out, TheLoanOfficerPodcast.com, and uh, you can check out the growth con event that's happening april 20th and 22nd and if you look at the price and you're like oh gosh i can't afford that guess what reach out to me reach out to john i'm cool on linkedin i'm cool on ig john probably prefers you reach out to him through the website don't call me we can no one even knows your number no but we can make sure that you get a 10 percent off um code so that you can use to save yourself uh, a little bit of money and then on tuesday April 25th, we're going to be down in Palm Beach Gardens. Now, John and I will be down there along with some of the TLOP faculty, and we're putting on a half-day loan officer sales event. It is free. So if it's free, it's for me. Um, but you have to register because seating is limited. And if you register, please don't be a dick and please show up because if you register for a free event, then you don't show. You basically reserved a seat that someone else could have used who was going to make it a priority. But um, this is an event where you're going to learn, you're going to earn, you're going to grow. Shout out to our sponsors. So our sponsors of, the, of that event is uh, Corey Johnson with Waterstone Mortgage. Yeah. The guys and girls over at Urban Young Insurance Shout out and Young. Trident Title. Shout out Trident so Title. this event is only free because of those three sponsors. The event, again, is on the website, tloponline.com. It's Tuesday the 25th in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And then finally, just kind of mentally make a note of this, our friend of the show our friend in life steve richmond shout out steve is putting together a webinar that we're going to be um 
hosting the webinar, moderating the webinar, sponsoring the webinar. Anyhow, Steve reached out and I said, sure, Steve, why not? Why not? Anything for you. But that event is May the 8th. When JC gets all of the details, he'll make sure he gets that posted up online. And for anyone who is in the DC area and you're listening to this on Tuesday, the day it drops, hit me up because I am in your city attending the National Advocacy Conference on behalf of the Mortgage Bankers Association. Jeez, that's so boring to hear that. Hey, but somebody has to pay the bills, JC. I know. Somebody. And you know who's going to pay the bills? Not me. I got Everybody no, I that goes got, to tloponline.com no and becomes money. a member. I know you don't. You spend it all on Heineken and Negronis. These J's ain't free. Yeah, nor is that weed in the video games. It's legal now. Exactly, so. for some people. All right, let's go now. Who is going to ask us our first question? We're ready to get after. Oh, my gosh, hands nah, are coming homeboy up. In the green, homeboy right here. Okay. Name first, please, citizen. Uh, my name is Trace O'Hara. Uh, it's nice to meet you guys. Thanks for coming in. Uh, my question today is, what is your advice for someone who's getting started in the real estate industry, and what are some good business moves to make on top of that? Damn, okay. you came prepared. Holy advice shit. Advice for someone who's getting started in the real estate uh, industry. So the first thing I want to do is have a qualifier. Have you given any thought to, do you want commercial real estate or residential real estate? Um, I was thinking potentially commercial, but I'm okay. open to residential as well. Cool. Um, you mind if I take this? I know nothing about, sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm going to take this one. Um, first and foremost, this goes for almost all industries. Y'all need mentors. You need somebody that when you meet with him or her and they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them and you're looking at them saying, hey, are they someone I want to be or I want to be like? You might not want to be like them personally, but professionally. They may only be three years ahead of you, five years ahead of you, or 30 years ahead of you. And then are they the type of person who wants to invest in somebody who is a Henry. A Henry to me is high energy, not rich yet. I love me some Henrys, right? I want to find someone who's full of energy, right? But they haven't made it yet. And so that means they need maybe what I can offer. I might not be able to offer energy. Look, I'm 44 years old, right? I save all my energy for one Ironman competition a year. The rest of it, I ain't got time for it. So if I can find someone with the energy, I can invest in you um, and, and that's, that's what I want to do as an employer. That's what you should be looking for. Someone who's willing to do that. Um, I would tell you locally, if you stay local, yeah, check out the guys and girls over at Jones Lang LaSalle. Um, my buddy, Aaron Gray crushes it over there. My cousin, Jimmy is a commercial realtor up in the Chicago area. He crushes it. Uh, I have a family friend who works for Jones Lang LaSalle out in, in San Francisco and she crushes it. Um, and then my last piece of advice is y'all got to be willing to be broke for a little bit of time. Like you just got to, right? So you have to be willing to work really hard to make no money. That should be okay if you're getting, not, I want to say paid, not getting paid. If you're getting taught, if you're learning, right? There's two types of jobs you should take. Either the job that pays a whole lot of money, but you might not learn a whole lot. Or the job that teaches you everything you need to know, but you might not make a whole lot. In a perfect world, you would get both. But typically, early on in your career, you don't. You said it was Trey or Trace? Trace. Trace, did I answer your question? Yes, sir. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Oh, gosh, how are we going to do this? Throw it. Just chuck it at people. Puff, puff, pass, baby. Let's go. Name, sir, student. Uh, Can you speak into the microphone? My name is Abi. I definitely enjoyed this experience with all you guys, um, especially getting to know John. I know in the first one he wasn't really talking as much, but it's how to ask John a fun question. Um, so I see your Boston Red Sox hat. Are uh, you a Celtics fan? 
Uh, no, nah, not really. Okay. How far do you think the Sixers can get in the playoffs this year? Probably the second round. Okay. Was that it? I mean, get him out, kick him out. He's taking time <laughs> no, away. We no, I'm, I'm, I know I'm joking. No, no, I was fucking. I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm he, fucking with you. He, here's a fun story about John Coleman: is he follows sports, no, but no. every time we try to ask him about sports, he's like, oh, I can't be with that. Yeah, I don't right? like, like, like sports. No, he does follow, especially basketball. You know what's going on in basketball? Not really. His wife worked for the Magic for like 15 years. He knows what's going on in basketball. Sports are garbage when you hit a certain age. You realize no, there's they're more, not. There's no, they're not. more things to for. do in life to watch a 17 year old man run with a football on a field. Usually they're about 19. That's to 29. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So he said 76 or second round. Se- Look, write yeah. it down. Write it down. Put it on a bet right now. Yep. You heard it. Th- you heard it. Your first or second? I can't good, be- y'all. My name is Mello. Mello, what up? Yes, sir. I'm third year student in college. My oh. first year at uh, UCF. My first semester at UCF. Did okay. you direct connect? I did from Valencia, awesome. which Congrats. I only went for one semester also because I was at UF before. Didn't work out. Whatever. I was actually. I'm a Cowboys fan. I was at the Jackson Jaguars game this season and had experience, experienced very sad moments of Trevor Lawrence and his main pretty much destroying the Cowboys before yeah, we went Yeah, Cowboys on. fell apart this last <laughs> NFL fo- football season. It, it, it was sad, the, the end of the playoffs, but we'll be back next year, Super Bowl, <laughs> baby. But uh, my question for you, Dustin, was that you said you did not enjoy um, doing loans. I don't know if that was just anymore or ever at all. And I was wondering how you toted the line with dynamic of enjoying what you were doing in terms of that and how you were able to persevere through that to still become successful and do other things you want to do like what was your mindset about not really enjoying what you wanted to do but still doing it because you knew the bigger picture or whatever you know what i mean well, it's a great, yeah, question. great question that's a phenomenal question Mello. so thank you and it's um it's going to be a lengthy answer so i'll do my best and sometimes my best isn't good enough and that's okay but i'll do my best to condense the answer because you were alluding to a conversation I had off camera with the group uh, talking about my career and that I got to a point where I was no longer enjoying doing loans. So I made a goal that I would pull myself away from personal production. Um, Truth be told, if that's all I had to do, I think I would have a different outlook on it. But my role in the mortgage industry had morphed into so much more that, you know, I was a VP of marketing, I was a head recruiter, I was business development, I was an executive, I was HR, and I was having to do loans. And there's so much more I wanted to do in those other facets, I couldn't get to, or if I got to them, I would half-ass them. And I can't do anything in life. Like I have two speeds, I'm either all in or I'm all out. Um, So I was allowing that part of my daily function to bother me. My therapist taught me that, by the way, Nothing makes me angry. I allow it to make me angry. So I just set a goal for myself because I knew there was a risk behind pulling away from production. That risk was financial, right? Doing loans for a living, like my average loan originator makes probably a buck 60 a year. I know dozens of mortgage loan originators who make over a million dollars a year on their W-2. Like they have those really weird looking W-2s because there's two commas on them, not just one comma. So I knew there's going to be a slight financial risk, but I also knew I had a good team and I could maybe hand it over to my team and I could still get some revenue from there, just not at the level that I used to. Um, And then I could then pour that time that I freed up both mentally as well as time on the time card to invest in other things that maybe would excite me. 
And I challenged myself that if I was going to pull away from that, I knew that I had to replace that income, but not just replace it, but I wanted to replace it times two or three, but doing things that excited me, doing things that I got out of bed wanting to attack. Um, and that was the podcast. That was my real estate investment company. And recently I just invested in a homeowner's insurance business. So that answered probably a third of your question. The other third is just kind of like, at what point in life do you have to realize that you are going to do things that suck? You sometimes have to embrace the suck. All I ask of anybody is A, be willing to embrace it, be willing to outlast the next guy or girl next to you who wants to quit after nine months, you go 10 months. If, if they're willing to go two years, you go two and a half years, but you shouldn't subject yourself to a lifetime of misery. So there has to be a means to an end. You have to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes you have to do all things until you can scale up and level, at which point now you're hiring teammates and you're offloading very first the things that you aren't good at and you don't like doing. You're, you hire someone, not someone like you, someone opposite of you, because they're going to like doing the things that you don't like to do. And they're probably going to be good at them because they like them. And then you can eventually over years, not days, not months, over years, you can get to a point to where you're only doing the things that you're good at and you like doing because you've been able to reach a point in your business that you've leveled up. Um, that's like, it's a BHAG for many people. BHAG stands for big, hairy, audacious goal, but I'm all for setting very high lofty goals and working your ass off to achieve them. Because achieve them. what's worse, you get 60% 60, 60 of the way there, which is still twice as good as your next, your next competitor. Did that hit most of your question? I'm going to add some color. Whatever job y'all get out of college, even if it's your dream job, at some point it'll piss you off and you're going to hate it and want to quit. It's there where you kind of learn the most. So just know that you could have any job out of the college, out of the gate that you really want and you'll like it for a little bit, but just know it will piss you off and it will get on your nerves. But it's in those moments to Dustin's point and when you learn the most. Um, and that's when I grew the most. Um, at EA, it wasn't when things were going great. It's not when everything went according to plan. It's when kind of shit fell apart and you really have to get creative with uh, how to make things work. How did we do on that? I think you did a, a pretty good job answering that. You didn't answer this shit at I all. I think the uh, main reason why I was asking that is because like, I feel like a lot of people are in points of their current career being in college, getting into their careers where maybe some people decide to do just what they're happy for, and but some people do moves that are going to maybe make them financially right. more. I'll, I'll take this one, Dio. As someone who's like, cause in college, they want to say, hey, do what you like, you know, work hard, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say, yeah, sure, for some people, but I would implore anyone that's listening, do what you're passionate about and don't worry about anything else. A lot of times it sounds cliche-ish, but if you do what you love, um, the trade-off that you have when you do what you love versus just doing something you hate um, is like the mental stress. And what I can tell you, it's not worth it. If the payoff might not be there, you might not make all the bucks, but the... Um, I call them life tokens. When you don't have to constantly deposit your life tokens into things that you aren't passionate about and don't like, uh, you'll find that um, you're able to spend more time on yourself and de develop yourself much more. So that's what I would just err on. Just do what you love and keep doing it, and eventually it will pay off. And my counter to that, because I do agree with John wholeheartedly, like I'm very fortunate I only do things I like to do. And when I got started as a rookie loan originator, I literally was making half the money I would have made if I stayed in TV, TV advertising. I was working twice as many hours. Literally, I had $10,000 in credit card debt. I deferred my student loans. I shut off my cable. This was before Hulu and Netflix, right? So I shut off my cable, um, drove around Central Florida with a for sale sign in my car. But if you asked me 
how's work going? I would tell you straight up, I freaking love it and I'm making no money. But I'm working twice as hard. I'm making no money. But I knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel. So there's a certain amount of suck I was willing to embrace to get there so that I could finally achieve what, what I wanted to achieve. And I'm a motivated, I'm a money motivated person, right? Not everyone's money motivated. When you're money motivated, you'll literally sniff farts out of a seat cushion for 20 bucks, right? Because that $20 is your rush, that's your high. Not everyone is money motivated. I have learned at 44 years of age, my hobby is making money. Because I have best friends say, Dio, when are you gonna stop? When are you gonna slow down? I'm like, when it stops being fun. He's like, but don't you have enough? I'm like, ah, I have enough what, fun? No, you can never have enough fun. And my hobby is doing things that, that make money. So I enjoy building businesses and scaling businesses. Um, so there's a point that you do have to not be abused, not be run over, not do something you hate doing. But at the same time, if you can see that it's a short-term pain for a long-term pleasure, then put in those two or three years. It might not be two or three months. That was a good answer. Over here. Let's go to the right side switch of the it up, switch it up. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, and then we need to get some ladies in the mix because you just took three yeah, questions on, from three dudes. Fuck, man. Mm -hmm. What's up? Um, what's up, man? Uh, my name is Carlos, and I have a question that will pretty much go for either one of you. So what is the most annoying part of your last job, and how can it be improved? I'll take this one. Uh, so I was in corporate America, and I just hate corporate games and politics. I really don't deal well with management and all the games that it plays. So the most difficult thing for me is, like, playing that corporate game. Um, that's honestly why I just tapped out because um, we're all kind of taught and indoctrinated, like, hey, you want to work your way up. You want to become a manager. You want to be the top. You want to be CEO, right? Um, that's not for everybody. Uh, once you get into the workforce and you realize what you like to do and what you're good at, it might not be managing people because I don't like managing people because managing people is adult babysitting. But if you ask Dustin, he loves managing people because he likes to see people grow and how we can impact their lives, which is fine. But you just have to know what you like and what you want to do. Um, so that's my answer. I just didn't like the corporate games and shenanigans. I just want to show up and do a good job and put in my work. I don't need all the accolades, all the titles of like senior manager, VP of this. Um, I just wanted to come in and do my work. And that's probably why I'm more of a creative sense. Uh, a lot of creatives think like that. I'm not really juxtaposition to Dustin. I'm not really driven by money. Um, I'm not really driven by accolades. I just want to show up um, and do a good job. But unfortunately, in corporate, in the real world, um, that doesn't necessarily fly. So share with him your mantra. What, your, what you shared with me a couple of years ago, which like, one like what, what drives you? Because you're right. Money doesn't drive John Coleman. Money drives me. Money doesn't drive you. Oh, was that but, a thing I said? Like, I will earn $10 million, that thing? Yeah, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't the dollar amount you put on it, but what were you going to do to earn your money? Oh, work with people I love and care about to create amazing content that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. You, you want to get John Coleman on your side? Talk about how great his content is. That's all he cares about. He cares about creating content that's original, right? That is um, not doing what mainstream tells you you have to do. Yeah. Um, and that's really good. Right. Yeah. That's what motivates him, where what motivates me is literally that paycheck right now. Yes, there's certain things that I have a skill set for. I have a passion for, um, you know, if you told me I had to go in, I don't know, build computers and you're going to pay me millions of dollars, man, I wouldn't like that. There's no part of me building computers that I think I would ever like. Uh, but, you know, I do tend to, to go towards things that are money motivated to answer your question, though. Gosh, it's interesting because um, I may go back to like 2005 or six when I was working in television advertising. Like I can 
bitch and complain about, oh, this one small task or this one particular referral source as it pertains to the mortgage industry. But if I go back to um, when I worked in television advertising, the one thing that annoyed me the most is I wasn't building something for me. I was working for somebody else. So for me, it was important early on that I, I wasn't going to work for the man. I was going to be the man. Even if being the man, man, I was going to be broke. I was going to make the rules. I was going to set the pace. I was going to set the tempo and I was going to bet on me, right? Cause me is the only person I can control. I can't control anybody else. And even me is hard to control, right? We all struggle with, with our emotions. We all struggle with our anxieties and some of them are controllable. Some of them aren't. Um, but that would be the one thing that annoyed me is early on in my career. I realized I didn't have my own destiny in my hands and I always wanted to. All right, let's take a question from a lady. I think, yep, right over here. Perfect. And then we'll go straight in the back after this. Hi, so my name is Sophie, and my burning question, I guess, for you guys is what is your greatest failure that maybe you thought you couldn't overcome, but then were able to in your career? She's making me think. I, you want to take this one first and yeah. let you think about it? Yeah, go ahead. Um, greatest failure. It's interesting because I fail daily. I fail weekly. I fail monthly. Most failures are just like individual battles. It's not the whole war, right? So, um, God, early on, failure or the first time I was rejected, when I was y'all's age, I tried to get into AmeriCorps, right? My cousin did Peace Corps, and I thought that was really cool, but Peace Corps helps other countries, and I wanted to help my country. So I'm like, yeah, AmeriCorps, and they had like this really awesome program, and I was denied. And I was somebody who was an athlete in high school and you know, didn't really struggle growing up with the social scene, so I didn't ever really deal with rejection or failure. And that was the first time that someone told me no. And they basically said, yeah, you're not good enough, right? Your essay wasn't good enough. Your resume wasn't good enough. Your test scores weren't good enough. Um, that would be a, I guess you call it a failure is maybe more of a rejection. And then in business, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I could show you my, my E-Trade account and I've, I've invested in a bunch of weed stocks that I've lost 20 or 30 grand on. Yeah, that's true. Truly killed me. Wiped that, me out. Yeah. That, that's a big failure. Um, I have, uh, made some investments. I'm, I'm, I'm invested in right now about 12 or 13 tech startup companies. And after seven months, one of the founders, uh, she resigned. That's not a good look, by the way. So I'm pretty sure I just flushed that 25 grand down the toilet. I guess you could call that a failure. Um, so there's plenty of failures, but man, to me, they're all life lessons. It, some were expensive life lessons, Right. But they're all life lessons. Um, so I don't know if that really answered your question, Sophie, but yeah, that did. I just wanted to hear about any failure that you think you've been able to learn. From. Yeah, because everyone loves to talk about the things that go well. Right. Yeah. The buddy who gambles. Oh, yeah, I crushed it last night, you know, at the casino. I'm like, yeah, but how come you're going to talk about your losses? Yeah, no, we take plenty of L's. The goal is to take less L's than W's and to make sure you learn from all your L's. Because If you take an L and don't learn from it, you wasted that phenomenal opportunity. Um, one more failure. So I just mentioned that my two business partners and I on the mortgage company have recently invested into a homeowner's insurance company. A failure of mine is more of an opportunity cost. Why in the hell did we not do this 10 years ago? Like 10 years ago, like my mortgage company writes thousands of mortgages every single year. And all of those people need homeowner's insurance. Yet we're today years old when we're finally opening it. So that's a failure on me to not recognize an opportunity for an entire decade, but there's nothing I can do about it. So it's like, why, why dwell on it? Now I just need to make sure I open my eyes a little bit wider. I keep my head on a swivel for my football players out there. You know what I'm talking about? Keep my head on a swivel and I need to be more receptive 
to opportunities. And sometimes in life, sometimes the door is open and you just have to walk through. Sometimes the door's cracked and you just kind of got to poke your head in. Other times the door's closed and you need to wiggle the handle to see if it's unlocked or not. And there's sometimes you just kick that motherfucker in. Like true story, you want something bad enough, you go after it. Um, so me and the insurance business that I've recently invested in could very well be deemed a failure on my part because I didn't go knock on any doors. I didn't wiggle any handles. I didn't kick anything down. And to put that in dollars for y'all, that insurance company today, that book of business would probably be worth about two and a half million dollars of which I would be a 20 to 30% owner of that. So that's a big failure on my part. But oh, yeah, live I would, and learn. Yeah, I would say my failure is not saving money when I'm your age. Like if it's easy, like just save your money. As someone who blows money all the time consistently, just save your money. Even if it's a little bit, trust me, it will pay dividends in the future. You just made my heart smile. Why? Am I rubbing off on you? I'm still blowing money at a rapid pace, so clearly not. But you're at least giving the proper advice. Yeah. Yes. Learn a thing or two about compound interest. Please do. Start saving today. Literally right now, 50 cents. I'm not playing. It'll it, make such a difference. It's amazing. It's amazing. I sat down with my, my college age student. It was between UCF, University of Colorado, Virginia Tech. And by the way, VTech and Colorado were not giving him any money. So that means out of state tuition, no bright futures, all of that. And I basically was able to show him by utilizing compound interest that the decision he was making was a million dollar decision. Because if he took the money that he would save by going to UCF, getting bright futures versus the money he would spend going to Virginia Tech, and he invested that money at 22 years of age and he didn't touch it until he was 62 and a half, it would grow to well over a million dollars. So if y'all don't know anything about compound interest, look it up. There's something called the rule of 72, learn it. Uh, rule of 72 is a great way for you to determine how quickly will my money double, right? So you take your average rate of return, Let's say it's 8% and you divide that into 72. Any math majors out there? John Coleman, 72 divided by eight is? Whatever the calculator says. Nine. Okay. Yep. So that tells me that your money will double every nine years. So grandma dies tomorrow. Sorry, boo-hoo. I hope she was old and lived a great life. Grandma leaves you 10 grand. Cool. In nine years, it's 20 grand. In 18 years, it's 40 grand. In 27 years, it's 80 grand. Right? You do the math. That's how compound interest works. So to John's point, maybe that's a mistake. What? That, that, that's a, yeah, what, what as you, I said, a failure. Yeah. I, don't, yeah, I didn't save no money. There you go. Very good. Lady in the back in the blue shirt. This is fun, kind of, isn't it? This is super fun. What if I we got paid for this. What if we had a third episode? Stop. That's more every, work. For, that's more work for every me. Every single week where this is what we did. Nope. All right. And I think we only have time for like two more or three more questions. Let's, yeah. We'll stay here as long as the kids want. All at once. No, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So my name is Mia and I'm a senior. Oh, you're oh, sorry. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm a senior at UCF, but um, my whole life I thought credit was bad or certain types was. So I just avoided opening a credit card and my parents thankfully helped pay off student loans under my name, which, you know, helped in some ways, but essentially in the great uh, grand scheme of things, I have no credit. And you talk about being broke right after college, which I'm fine with, but with such a high cost of living going on and no credit. Um, I just, I can't write off or sign off on anything, loans, whatever. So I just wanted to ask what the best advice you would give about maybe speeding up that process for building that credit for someone in my situation. Perfect. I'll take this one and I'll be quick with it. Go ahead and have mom and dad who, who, who probably had their, their stuff together and they have your back, have them add you 
to two of their cards as an authorized user, right? Within six months, you'll have a, at least a valid US credit score. Reach out to Capital One, see if Capital One will give you a credit card. If they won't, go to your bank or credit union, give them three or $500 of your own money, let them hold it as collateral, and then they'll give you a credit card using your own money as your collateral. Um, that would be a great way for you to like jumpstart having credit. All right, thank cool. you so much. I appreciate it. Awesome. That. And by the way, it's okay to be broke. You know, it's also okay to do work two or three jobs. You ain't got no kids. You're young. You can do it. Put in two or three jobs. We always talk about saving money. It's way easier to focus on earning. Way easy. Get out there and earn. It makes it way easier to save. Plus, when you're focused on earning, you're not spending. Okay, I'm going to go here because you can just yell and I'll, I'll be able to hear. He's a big dude. I'm sure he's like a baritone voice. And then we'll do the mic over here. <laughs> Drives a Hummer. No, they don't. Holler Chevrolet. John, get your shit straight. All right. But um, I, have, I have two quick questions. The first one was, uh, I play football here, so I was wondering what your prediction is first season in the Big 12, how are we going to do? I'm a big UCF football fan. Um, Did you call them boosters or something? Coach Frost is a client of mine, actually. Um, as, as was Shenander. Uh, then they all left. Oh, well, um, um, gosh, uh, how many games are you playing? 13? Oh, wow. I like that, Max. I like that. When we get to the conference championship, um, I'm going to say eight and four. Okay. I'm going to say eight and four as a true fan, trying not to be biased, trying to take my, 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 my Homer hat off. Hey, by the way, um, How's the long snapper situation looking right now after spring football? You guys pretty solid with Aiden? Is Aiden, did Aiden get the one? Aiden's looking pretty good. Yeah, Aiden's he's a good kid. Um, is, is, is he has competition? Uh, I believe Gabe Kim is the one right now, but he's competing for, for Against Aiden? Okay. You can tell what position my son played. Yeah. Yeah, he now is on the volleyball. And I'm like, no, man, you're 6'4", 205. Like, walk on, red shirt. Get your, get your snaps going, but I can't convince them to. Next question. All right. No, no, he had two questions, remember? Oh, second question. This isn't Sports Talk Radio. Man. Hi, my name's Brianne, and um, my question is, so, like, I'm in my internship search right now, and I'm kind of conflicted about this. I've heard some people say, like, after an interview, you're supposed to, like, follow up with the interview or, like, request them on LinkedIn or something just to, like, tell them more about yourself. But I've heard some people say it's kind of, like, annoying like you get a thousand, you're recruiting, you'll have like thousands of people in your inbox, like hitting you up. So it's like kind of annoying. What's your advice on like reaching out after an interview or something? I would definitely take this. Um, first and foremost in life and in business, I tell this to my kids all the time, do you homie, like you got to do you, right? So if you're comfortable doing it, then you do it. You can't follow up too much. Yeah. Like what's the worst thing someone would say? Oh my God, quit being so persistent cool, guess what? This is as persistent I'm going to be to help this company generate more revenue, yeah. right? This is as persistent I'm going to be at showing up on time and giving it my all. So I don't think there's ever an opportunity you can be too much of a good thing. Um, and I'd rather someone tell me that than turn their back on me because I wasn't saying thank you. I wasn't following up. So I would advise you, yes, handwritten thank you notes, they still work, they go a long way. Yeah. Connecting with someone on LinkedIn, like goes a long way, showing gratitude, it goes a long way. Then if you can remember something from the conversation, 
and loop that in to your token of gratitude, now you have a follow-up with impact. All right, so check it out, y'all. I'm getting the stink eye. We are totally done with time, but here's the good news. JC and I don't have to go anywhere that we don't want to be for at least another hour. So if you want to hang out and ask us questions individually, we will give you the next hour. But for everyone else that lets you guys uh, get going to class or wherever else you have to go. So on that note, he's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You have tuned in to Lone Officer Podcast. That's all the time we have for you today, but we will catch you on the next episode. Peace. People clap to make it sound cool. Thank you. Yeah, good.